Welcome back to the Stack Econ Bits. Today's episode provides a more detailed analysis of GDP, which is a popular indicator to monitor and to understand the health of the economy. If you did not hear our first podcast, I'm James, and I'm here with Juan and Maxi. Hi, James. Hi, Maxi. Hi, James. Hi, Juan. How's everything going today, Juan? Doing great. Thanks. And you, Maxi? Everything is good. Thank you. How about you, James? I'm doing great. I'm so ready to do a more detailed analysis of the GDP components and the Purchasing Managers Index, aka the PMIs. Maxi, could you tell me what the components of GDP are? Yes, James. The GDP is often broken down into four components, known as personal consumption expenditure, government expenditure, private domestic investment, and net exports. With that being said, Juan, could you tell me which of these components contributes most to GDP? Yes. So from all the four components of GDP, personal consumption expenditure, aka the PCE, is the most important contributor towards GDP in the United States. However, other countries have different contribution levels, and therefore every country differs its dependency on specific sectors. Why is that, Juan? Have there been any changes to the PCE? Consumer spending is the value of the goods and services purchased by or on the behalf of U.S. residents. As a result, it's one of the most important factors of economic health. Consumer data on what they buy, don't buy, and want to spend their money uh, can reveal a lot of about where the economy is headed. Every single one of us is a consumer, but especially in the United States, as a consumption contributes almost 70% of the U.S. GDP. Also, since the start of the pandemic, which was almost two years ago, the PCE has grown at a steady pace. In April 2020, it decreased to one of the lowest points to, to, since 2015. But after that, since May 2020, it has been growing constantly, reaching its highest point now in January 2022, with a value of $16 billion. This can be explained by the government stimulus and the tight labor market, which has boosted the level of confidence, allowing many to have more money to spend. This explains why the confidence in the economy has grown. James, can you tell me if there has been any changes to the rest of the components? Sure, Juan. So there has not been any data released this year on the net exports, the government expenditure, and the PDI, which is the private domestic investment. So could you tell me where those components stood at the end of 2021? Sure thing, Juan. Yes. So the government expenditure and the PDI remained similar in their contributions to GDP last year, even though they increased a little bit. And the net exports continue to decrease as um, they continue to remain negative as they have for many years now. So let's shift the topics a little to some current events. Sure. Uh, Maxi, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, which is the central bank of the U.S., spoke at Congress last week, right? Yes, he did, James. He spoke last Wednesday with Congress and spoke last Thursday with the Senate Banking Committee. He said he would propose a quarter percentage point rate increase at the central bank's meeting in two weeks amid high inflation, strong economic demand, and a tight labor market. Powell also said that the invasion of Ukraine will likely continue to push inflation up, supporting such a move. Maxi, what type of influence does the interest rate hike have on the economy? The FOMC, if you're not aware, is the Federal Open Market Committee. It is a committee within the Federal Reserve System that oversees the nation's open market operations. This FOMC committee makes key decisions about interest rates and the growth of the United States money supply. They will meet on March 15th to the 16th, so the rate increase is not definite as much 
can change between um, now and the and then, especially as the war in Ukraine continues to play out. The invasion of Ukraine has changed the field as many are unsure of its long-term impact. But right now, we are definitely seeing the impact in gas prices as the average price of gas is up to $3.84 and a barrel of oil is up over $100 for the first time since 2015. And it has been a rapid increase from 95 to around 115 since the start of the month. Maxi, what's the goal of increasing the interest rates? The Federal Reserve is following its dual mandate of maximum employment and stable prices. Increasing the cost of credit throughout the economy through higher interest rates means that loans become more expensive for both businesses and consumers and everyone ends up spending more on interest payments. The higher costs decrease the incentive to initiate new projects that need financing. It simultaneously encourages people to save money to earn higher interest payments. This reduces the supply of money in circulation, which tends to lower inflation and moderate economic activity. So Maxi, is this a tool that they use to, fly to fight inflation, correct? Yes, Juan, you're correct as there has been rampant inflation throughout the economy. The Fed tries to limit inflation to an average yearly rate of 2%, but the supply shortages have led to an increase in prices over the last year, way above this target. James, do you think the invasion of Ukraine will continue to raise prices? Most likely, Juan, uh, especially in the energy sector, as Russia you know, is one of the biggest exporters of oil, and you know, they're also one of the biggest exporters of wheat worldwide. You know, it should be interesting to see in the next few months how the world handles the Ukraine situation. It's also going to be interesting to see the economic impact of it all, as it will continue to raise prices as Russia has been cut off from Europe, which is, you know, it's cutting off one of the biggest suppliers of goods in the world. And, you know, I could see this putting more pressure on the Fed to possibly have higher interest rate hikes in the summer as they implement higher interest rates to help fight the rampant inflation in the U.S. Uh, Maxi, do you think the U.S. economy will continue to grow or will it start to shrink going forward? Hard to say, Juan. The Beige Book showed growth in the economy, but that data doesn't take into account the possible rate hike and the invasion of Ukraine as it was collected up to February 18th. Maxi, you mentioned the Beige Books. For those not familiar with them, could you tell us what they are? Sure, Juan. Um, the Beige Books are reports that are published eight times per year by each Federal Reserve Bank um, in the United States, which gathers anecdotal information on current economic conditions in uh, each individual's district. I think we can talk about the potential interest rate hikes and the invasion of Ukraine all day. These are important topics and they have a huge economic impact. However, we must also discuss the PMIs. Yes, I agree, Maxi. James, can you tell me about the manufacturing PMI and why it is important to understand? Yes, I can, Juan. You sure don't waste any time. For, uh, first off, if you're not sure what the PMI stands for, let me remind you. The PMI stands for the Purchasing Managers Index. The PMIs are based on monthly surveys in a given business sector, like manufacturing. They're important to understand because investors use the PMI surveys as leading indicators of economic health. They offer insight into sales, employment, inventory, and pricing. The manufacturing sector purchases tend to react to consumer demand and are often among the first signs of a slowdown. James O'Juan, have there been any updates in the manufacturing PMI that came out recently? I'll take this one. Yes, there has been, Maxi. February's data came out on March 1st. James, could you tell me about that data and 
where one could find it? Sure thing, Maxi. So one could find this data at the Institute for Supply Management or the ISM website. And the PMIs are published at the beginning of every month. All right, so let's get into the data. Finally. <laughs> yes, finally. So the manufacturing PMI grew 1% in February, which continues to indicate strong sector expansion and U.S. economic growth in February. All five sub-indexes that directly factor into the manufacturing PMI were in the growth territory. The, the nation's supply executives said that this was the 21st consecutive month of growth, and the U.S. manufacturing sector continues to be demand-driven in a supply chain-constrained environment. James, what signals growth for PMIs? Uh, a PMI number greater than 50 indicates expansion in a business sector. A number less than 50 shows contraction. So the rate of expansion is also judged by the difference between months. So the manufacturing PMI has been above 50 for 21 consecutive months. And that does not mean it's always been increasing. It varies month to month. So just for example, the manufacturing PMI was 58.6 in February and 57.6 in January. So from there, we can get sort of the 1% rate of expansion. And if the PMI decreased, then we'd have sort of the opposite there. Also, there's another PMI that I want to talk about. Yeah, sure. Please go ahead, Juan. You seem very excited to talk about this other PMI. Yes, please, please go ahead, Juan. Yes, thank you. Another PMI is the service PMI. Is that it, Juan? Can you tell us about it? That is not, James. I will, and I want to tell you more, more about it. The service PMI was introduced in 1996 by IHS market economists to accompany the existing manufacturing PMI. The services PMI was formed out of a desire for analysts, and in particular central bank officials, to better understand changing business conditions in the wider economy. Financial services, consumer services, and all the other commercial services are included. Juan, why is the service PMI important to understand? So it is important because it assists in determining the services sector's overall economic strength. All the data collected from the different components are analyzed, and then the results are collected into an index. When compared to the manufacturing sector, the services sector accounts for nearly 80% of the overall U.S. economy. The sector's economic weight makes it a key indicator of growth, stagnation, or contraction. The way you would read the manufacturing PMI would be the same for the service PMI, with above 50 indicating expansion and below 50 meaning contraction. Has any data come out recently? Yes, uh, the reports for February came out last week and kept showing the consistent growth in the services sector for the 21st consecutive month, after two months of contraction and 122 months of growth before that. Uh, Juan, could you share with us and the audience what the data showed? Sure, thanks James. The services PMI fell to 56.5% in February, down 3.4 percentage points from January's reading of 59.9%. The 12-month average is 62.6%, indicating that the services sector has been growing steadily. Since February 2021, this is the lowest services PMI, which number at that moment was 55.9. Despite a downturn, downturn in February for most of the indexes that make up the services PMI, the services sector continues to grow having expanded for all but two of the previous 145 months. Supply chain interruptions, capacity limits, inflation, logistical issues, and labor, and labor shortages continue to affect respondents. The ability of panelists' enterprises to meet demand has been hard as a result of these circumstances, resulting in a slowdown in business activity and economic growth. Despite all of this, the report showed that the 14 services industries reported growth in February. All right. Does anybody have anything they'd like to add or comment on before we conclude our podcast? I think that would be it for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next time.
Well, that's going to conclude this episode of Stack Econ Bits. You'll hear from us again in a few weeks where we'll update you on any new information about what we discussed today and maybe some new factors that contribute to GDP. Until then, take care. Mm-hmm.